This broadcast is only for adults. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. And we're broadcasting from Medjugorje. It's always a beautiful town to be with the group and with the people and the villagers. And so you're going to hear some things in the background because we're outside on the back area of where we're broadcasting. And what you hear is Medjugorje live. What's happening right now is unbelievable. The devil has made war. Then now is the time to expose everything that's taking place in the church. We've told you on August 30th about Archbishop Vagano exposing so much of the things that's happening in the church. And we also have told you this is just the tip of the iceberg. I've been talking to priests. I've been talking to different people here. And what's coming out just in these last days is just shocking. It's so bad that you don't have the imagination to understand where we are. These people are rising up in the church and challenging the church, and they have penetrated deep into the church in ways that they can't be stopped. So they've given themselves a green light. And of course, I'm talking about abomination to the highest degree. 
And we have cardinals and people that's even known of Medjugorje, like Cardinal Sherburn. On October 1st, 2018, Cardinal Sherburn expressed his hope on that weekend that we might one day also we will ordain women to the diaconate. This has not happened. It's not in the church. And here's a cardinal who's been to Medjugorje. What's happening to us? Another headline is a cardinal who says we're not removing an abominable acronym. Starts with L, the four letters, all those groups who are abominables. We won't call them their name because that's the name they gave us to call them to legitimize who they are. These people have wickedly seated themselves in the church and we're seeing separation and as schism take place, bishop against bishop, priest against bishop, bishop against priest. This is taking place and is manifesting so rapidly that I'm shocked. We've known for a long time a lot of these things. But there's a synod going on, and it's a working group. It's specifically for the youth. It starts on October 3rd and ends on October 28th. That's how long it's going to be. And you got some youth who are part of this abominable group with the acronym they want you to call them, which we won't, have put in the working document for the synod the four letters that the church has never used. This is shocking. The working document of this synod is Instrumentum Laboris. And this Cardinal Lorenzo Baldessari, who's the official who's responsible for the organizing this Vatican Youth Synod, says what these youth are wanting to work who are of the abominable lifestyle said that the phrase for these youth, which starts with the L acronym again, that we will not use their preference of what they're to be called, will not be taken out of the document. What does that mean? Cardinal Lorenzo says that we have stressed the presentation at the Synod for the organizers to be very diligent in taking into account the work done by the Bishop's Conference, but especially the results of this meeting with the youth. They're being compliant with them, what they want. What do they want? This abominable group of youth who represent all around the world, I guess, those of the same way, want to have various contributions from the Secretariat of the Synod, and they want it to benefit from a greater closeness. In other words, you accept who we are. We want to come closer to the church. When asked what was the purpose, quote, to young people who instead of just forming a normal couple relationship can decide to form a, an abominable lifestyle couple and above all wish to be close to the church. So see, we're going to accommodate them. This is the Vatican. But what's scary is this. If they get the acronym in the document, then it's at the magisterium. Quote, this issue is significant because there is an increasing concern that this synod is being used as a vehicle for general acceptance of a abominable lifestyle within the church. It continues, this concern has been heightened by the fact that a new apostolic constitution on the structure of synods, comma, issued two weeks ago, has issued that the final documents of the synod, if approved by the Pope, would become part of the ordinary magisterium of the church. 
you out there listening to what I'm reading to you should be stunned. It is all-out war. They are coming out of the woodworks. I talked to a priest yesterday. He says 40 to 60%, depending on where the area is, are Bonneville's priest. I questioned him very strongly, and he said to me, I'm telling you, it ranges in that percentage. It's hard to believe. I do know it's strong. I didn't know it was that strong. And this stuff is exposing itself hour by hour, minute by minute. What I was just reading from continues, become part of the ordinary magisterium of the church, period. By implication, this could mean that the acronym, the four-letter word, that they want you to use, quote, could become enshrined in the papal magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church. Does that make you mad? It should. Does it make you angry? Why not? The concern is further heightened by the fact that a faction within the 2014 Extraordinary Synod of the Family sought to introduce a shift in the church's teaching on abomination. Through their interim report, releasing the document to the media before the Synod Fathers had seen and reviewed it. For years, things have been lined up to make these things happen. You've got in Milwaukee, again, the acronym, quote, the abomination, power struggle in Milwaukee, pro-abominable priest has upper hand while archbishop is passive. That's another headline. That's dated September 29th. The archbishop, Lestucky, is sitting on the sidelines while one of his priests, Father Brian Massengale, launches a high-profile campaign in August for a retreat that's happening right now, October 2nd through the 4th. A retreat. And then what is it for? It's to champion a vulnerable priest and support their positions. And the Archbishop is passive. And Father Brian was even snarky in his tone when he challenged his critics, including the Archbishop, who had already previously issued a statement saying the retreat was not sanctioned by the diocese. Big deal, Bishop. That's what you're doing? Excommunicate them immediately. Get rid of them. Distance yourself. That's what was said August 30th. What are we going to do? We're just going to let this take over? And what can I do? It's not sanctioned by the Catholic Church. This guy's a priest. Laetize him. Excommunicate him. And everybody at the retreat that's there right now. We are in trouble. These are just three headlines today. All this is broken right now. And again, I've talked to priests here about what's going on. They're worried about having to go underground. They're literally telling me this. This thing's breaking open so quickly. So I read today is about the same thing, and it's in Germany. This is entitled, German Bishop, I Will Not Ordain Traditionalists as Priests. A German bishop has expressed dislike for preconciliar types of clerics, stating that he will not ordain them. Bishop Felix Jen of Munster made his views clear to journalists at a September 26th press conference in Fulda, Germany, where he spoke about the upcoming Youth Synod in Rome. Quote, I can decidedly say, I don't care for preconciliar types of clerics, and also, I will not consecrate them, unquote, he said. Jen, who has been implicated in the dissemination of abominable literature to young people, and they used the four-letter acronym, 
in stating what kind of literature they were disseminating. He is going to be participating in the Youth Synod, which begins on October 3rd. His remarks appeared to be a response to Paul Metzlaff, a representative from the German Bishop's Youth Ministry Office, who had remarked on the love of some young Catholics for more traditional forms of worship and prayer. Metzlaff said that these traditional postmodern young Catholics treasure traditional forms of piety and classical forms of prayer. He observed that the strongest criticism of the Youth Synod's working document had come from young people in the United States and that these young Catholics had declared that the extraordinary or traditional form of the Mass had not been respected to their satisfaction. Quote, In Germany, we didn't even have it on our radar that young people would subscribe also to these forms, Metzlaff said. Unquote. Austrian-American Benedict Waldstein, age 30, said that he was curious about Metzlaff's remarks. He said, quote, It would be really interesting to hear what Metzlaff had to say because in what is quoted, he talks about American youth. But he may well have found out that there are also such people in Germany that hadn't been on his radar, though clearly they had been on the bishops, unquote. Judah Maria Pop, who resides in the neighboring diocese of Essen, took issue with the Bishop of Munster's attitude. She said, quote, Jen is par for the core for official German Catholicism. They are deeply opposed to anything really Catholic. Their church was founded in 1965. They try and stop the traditional Latin Mass as much as they can, so what Jen says is typical and honest. Most bishops won't even allow priests to say the traditional Latin Mass or hire the priestly fraternity of St. Peter priests, although these priests' seminary is full to bursting while the diocesan seminaries are empty, unquote. So we have April 2018 that Cardinal Louis Adraria the perfect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, published an article in the Observatory Romano in which he stated that female priests are ruled out of the Catholic Church. It has happened for 2,000 years. That's why. John Paul said that there'll never be women priests. And he said there is to be no more debate about it. It's set up by Jesus Christ. It's always been men. And now we have Colonel Sherborne in April 2018 promoting the idea of ordaining women to the priesthood. So let me ask a question here. Do you think that the reason why they're making these moves to put certain things like this in documents is because Our Lady is trying to preserve the unity and the, the centralness, if you will, of the Church's authority? And if they can get things like this entered into the magisterium's documents, then any future authority may not be taken seriously. I answer that by asking you a question. How many times and how many years, way over a decade, that nobody has brought up the issue that the war is by verbiage 
And it's so frustrating to me that nobody takes that to heart. I'm talking about people who are agreeing, listen to Radio Wave. You don't challenge people. You let them call our government a democratic government. It is not. It's a republic. You let the verbiage about women and men or about mankind change to humankind. The war is by verbiage. So they have to get this else word acronym, the four letters, covering all these warped up, perverted lifestyles into church documents, into the magisterium. I've told you this war is words. The only person that I've seen that's picked up on this is Donald Trump. He told the UN a few days ago that America has its own sovereignty and we object to the ideology of globalism and we hold to the virtue of patriotism. I wrote in 2007 and well before that that they're going to say everything is nationalism because that puts you in a nationalist situation if you're for your country. Trump is the only one using verbiage contrary to what everybody else is not doing. You don't want to hear anybody saying patriotic. You don't hear anybody saying we're a republic. And the church has adopted all these words, which on August 30th, I condemn completely the word of the G, identifying themselves in the lifestyle. I condemn that. You have to condemn it. The priests have to condemn it. Us as lay people do not accept that being said in front of you. It is a wicked, wicked lie. Because they're not that. And until we change that, nothing changes. So that's the vein that I'm coming from in asking that question. Because knowing that that's number one, what, you wrote that and look what happened while you were sleeping. That the war was with the words. But going along that same lines though, I know that especially on the second of the month broadcasts, you have repeatedly said that Our Lady talks a lot about praying for priests and the shepherds because she has to preserve the authority of the church for the future. So that having been said and taking all these thoughts together, I'm arriving at the conclusion that the reason why they want to put all of these things in documents or why I say they probably don't even know the reasons why they're doing it. But I'm just saying from on a supernatural level, from what Satan's goal would be, would be to undermine any future authority teaching of the church. So, if, you know, you get a Medjugorje Pope in there, Medjugorje bishops everywhere. If the church is a laughing stock because they've said stupid things and put out stupid documents, then what authority are the new people coming ever going to have if the church is nothing but just a laughing stock because they've said nothing but stupid things for the past 60 years or however long that is? That's where I'm arriving at that question. Okay. I've talked to several priests in the last month that believe Pope Francis is not a legitimate pope. They have said he may be a mason. They said he's a false pope. And he's a good priest. And they believe that. And they're confiding in me. They say, don't ever. I know where they're from. They say, can never say what I've said to you. But they're opening up to me because they know what I stand for. What do I think about the Pope? If he's an anti-Pope, if he's a false Pope, if he's a good Pope, a bad Pope, doesn't matter. God put him there. He's the Pope. And to answer your question, we have to uphold that. 
even if he's not good. Because we have to uphold the structure and the authority of the church. We can't destroy the position because somebody in it is bad. Because God could put somebody there for a reason. And then afterwards, when he removes them, he puts somebody there good. And if we tear down now that authority of the Pope, casting that away, then that authority can't be upheld later. And that's what our lady says. Respect your shepherds. God will take care of their judgment. And I know Francis has been very ambiguous in what he's done. He's left a trail of confusion. So I'm in agreement. These priests want him removed. Vagano wants him removed. And I understand that position. And if it legitimately resigns and somebody else is elected, then God could put somebody else in there. Let me explain it to you this way. This is good. Everything happened is good. Because what you hear on August 30th, we added a feature in there of a school writing about separation and why it's necessary. People now are picking the sides. Priests are sitting there coming up and aligning themselves together underground. I just got told of another bishop who got all of his priests in his diocese together. And one priest challenged the bishop's tolerance of a bondable lifestyle. And the bishop got up and castigated him in front of everybody completely stripped him down. He was angry. The bishop was screaming. And this is in the last month or so. And a priest that was strong went to the bishop and said, you shamed this priest. You had no right to do that as a bishop. So let's see what's happening. There's an alignment. That priest went with the priest that got castigated. And then the bishop has other liberal priests in that diocese going with him. This separation is necessary. Because we've got to see which side's going to prevail. And that side of the light will end up putting the correct Pope in there through this war. And so we have our lady saying two days ago, I want you to be courageous and to not grow weary. We've entered into a war. They're calling out right now, day by day, everywhere. They're so embedded in the church but let me go back to what I was going to answer to you, Riaz, about how to answer this. Because we want our protect authority. We have to. So that when good comes to authority, then they can bring order to the church. We don't want anarchy. We don't want to rebel against Francis. Where he's wrong, we can disagree with him. Benedict said that. If you want to disagree with me, you can do that. And he said an example, and if you don't believe what I say about just war, and you're on the other side, that's okay. You can disagree with me. If you don't agree with me about capital punishment, and you're on one side or the other for me, you can do that. You cannot disagree with me about marriage. You cannot disagree with me about abortion. But see, now they're putting this in the sequels or the magisterium. They've got to get the verbiage in there. It's the word that's powerful. It's not the action. The action is less important than the verbiage. The verbiage opens the door to this, to tolerance, and it just comes into the door. The crack in the door is the verbiage. And you people out there, I still don't hear you when I'm talking to you, even in person or where you write or what you say, you're keeping the verbiage. We are a public I wrote down, don't let nobody in front of you, no lawyer, no teacher, nobody, tell you that our nation is a democratic government. It is not. It uses only what you could say a process of voting democratically, but that does not mean we're a democracy. We are not a democracy. We're a republic. But let me go back to what I'm trying to get back to. We're there in the field. I wrote 
June 24, 2008, the consecration of America to Our Lady here in Medjugorje in our mission house. A few days later, I'm back home. I brought Maria back. We're July 3rd, the eve of the birthday of the United States of America, July 3rd, 2008. The elections are coming up in November, and we give the consecration with a few thousand people in the field in the apparition on July 3rd, the eve of the birthday of the United States of America. And I repeat that on purpose that you grasp this and listen to what I'm telling you. The words that I wrote was to give this country, the United States of America, to Our Lady for her son and to hold it and heal it through her hands with the intercession of her son. We read that consecration. You know what happened after that consecration? Maria said, Our Lady accepted it. Do you realize what that historical moment there in the field means now? We've got proof. The bishops have done it before. People have done consecrations. We did it in the physical presence of the Holy Virgin Mary, and she accepted it. And what did she do? She was free to take charge. What happened? We got Obama. The best thing that ever happened to us. This wicked man got in office, evil, for the next two elections. And that's my answer to your question, Riaz. We still uphold the presidency. This guy was bad. Obama did diabolical things, lighting up the White House, changing marriage, and filling positions from 2008 to 2016, filling the FBI up with bad people, the Justice Department with bad people. Everybody should be fired, actually, as a side note, that he appointed. But what did that give us? It pushed us, it motivated us to come out and fight. And we got a fighter now. We would never have Trump if our lady didn't get this consecration and Senator McCain would have won the presidency. You know what happened? Nothing. Because you don't call the plumber when your faucet is dripping. Drop, drop. You call him when the pipe breaks. McCain would just let us go in the middle, doing nothing and deteriorating, not motivating anybody, making us apathetic. There's nothing we can do. We've got a Republican there. We can't change anything. Drip, drip, drip. We'd be in worse shape. But when your pipe breaks and you got water flooding, you call the plumber. And that's when you get motivated. Our pipe got broken in 2008. That consecration of the field gave us Obama because he is so bad that it motivated this base, which resulted two terms later, we got Trump. And this is happening. And we have the same thing with Francis. I'm not condemning him for anything. His ambiguity, the confusion he's caused, is very bad. But this is going to result in us being motivated. I would never be talking about these things. These priests would never come confiding to me with this one priest that saw in his diocese what the bishop just did. And he's liberal. So do you see what this is leading to? Do you see why a lady opened the message? Be courageous. Do not come weary. And at the very end of the message, she repeats, do not to be courageous and do not grow weary. There's purpose to this. I'm telling you, I've seen this. I'm just shocked, though, how quick this coordination that they must be talking together are coming out everywhere worldwide. 
It's coming out. We are putting this in the church because we're part of the church and we're going to be there and you can't stop us. It's an amazing thing we're seeing in front of us. And it's growing. And there is a schism happening right now. And it's growing. Where it's going to lead us to is a separation of alignment of thinking on the right side and on the left side. We have leftist bishops. We have bishops on the other side, the strong, and the priests the same way. And we have those in the middle, like the Milwaukee bishop. He's in the middle. He don't know what to do. I'm telling you people out there, you have to become active because your enemy's coming out of the warm wood. You have to come out of the solid green wood. You have to fight. Our lady's saying this. She means that. I talked to the group the other day. We broadcasted that on the 2nd where I said, Our Lady said in 1983, pray and fast and let God act. Pray and fast and let God act. 21 years later, Our Lady comes in 2014 and says, Pray and act. She's telling us to go. She says, go fight evil. Expose evil. We have to engage. And the verbiage words is the start of it. I just read something today in England. Six-year-olds in school. And the teachers are having all these little kids. And they show the pictures of them in their classroom. Write a love story of a king who wants to marry his male servant. And the teacher says, oh, we're teaching them diversity. And this way, when they get out, they won't be against people like this. And it's good for diversity. Sixth graders, woe to those who lead the little ones astray. Better for a millstone to be tied to their neck and thrown in the bottom of a river. I just read this. I can't even believe it. We're getting hit on all sides. I'm telling you right now, today's Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we mailed out to all the bishops of the United States. And we mailed all the retired bishops. And I'm going to catch it for what I said. Because we rebroadcasted August 30th, and all the bishops are getting it. Before the next bishops' conference, they have to act. You listen to this two times, three times, four times. Get it in your verbiage. Go on our site, August 30th. Call Caritas. Order a hundred of these CDs. There's two parts set. Hour and a half. Showing the bishops what they have to do. The priests what they have to do. And you as laity. You have to engage in this fight. Everybody listening to this. Call us and or order these CDs. Get 50 if you can't afford 100. We charge you only what it costs us to make the CD. It's nothing. You got to have this in your hands. And go into the church. Go in mass. Go in the parking lot. And when they come out, say, have this. Even if your priest says, we're not going to pass this out, you start doing it. What you going to do? Arrest me? You're going to arrest me, Father? Go ahead and arrest me. I'll get this in the headlines. Get yourself in the papers. This is your biggest tool of how to talk and how to start fighting this because it's all about verbiage. The whole broadcast is how to say what you need to say. Because our bishops and priests aren't. And the ones that are, are being squashed and crushed. And being sent to the insane asylum. You say, is that really happening? Yes, it is happening. Left and right, and it's on the uptick. Any priest that does something and denounces, I mentioned in a talk the other day, St. Luke's has an agreement with the bishops the liberal bishops, that they can send their priests there and say he needs to be analyzed psychologically because he's not balanced 
and it's because he's against the Barnabas. And they keep him for two weeks. Then the bishop gets a report. And so you got to go for six months and they jello his brain with drugs. This is happening. Priests are come telling me that. They're scared to say anything because they know they'll be sent off. And so the priest that burned the rainbow flag had to go in hiding because he knew what his bishop was going to do to him was to send him to St. Luke's where they pay $10,000 a month and the diocese had plenty of money and they gladly do this, the bishops, so they reprogram or either make these priests dull-minded where they can't think anymore or focus. This may sound like it's so unbelievable. And it is. Until you contemplate how he's appearing every day preparing us for something for 37 years. Now we see how big this is. So Obama was the best thing that happened to America because it was the worst thing that happened. And what's happening now is the best thing that can happen to the church because it's the worst thing that can happen. It's going to make you get out there and start pounding the pavement. The number one tool you have is this August 30 broadcast. You call Caritas. I don't even know if we got structure for the orders for this and volume, but we'll crank up our CD room and start putting this out. You download it, you learn this thing, and you get it to your bishop. He's getting it in the mail, but you go to Mass wherever he has Mass every day, and two, three, you go to him. We want you to start saying what's on this broadcast. We want you to adopt it. If he's liberal, you give it to him anyway, and you confront. It's confrontation time. Make them be forced to come out for their position. Like Shorborn, who's for Majuri, who Maria's gone to his place, Yvonne's gone to his place, but he's showing his true colors. And that's one of the most shocking things we see. But this is what it's doing. It's really a window to the hearts what's really in it. And Obama showed it, and now we see it in the church being shown, all the way to the top of the church. Once again, you are hearing a friend of Medjugorje speaking to us from the village of Medjugorje. In just a few moments, a friend of Medjugorje will conclude today's broadcast. But first, we wanted to encourage all listeners to order the August 30th broadcast mentioned by a friend of Medjugorje titled Crimes, Silence, Bad Teachings, and Something Diabolical. You can contact Caritas and order in bulk for as little as $1 per set to give away at your church, workplace, or other gatherings. In addition, today's broadcast has been supported by listeners like you. For anyone who calls or goes to medj.com and makes a tax-deductible donation of any amount, a friend of Medjugorje will share with you one free copy of the August 30th broadcast mentioned today as a way of saying thank you. When making your generous donation, just mention this broadcast and the CD number CD2416MJ. You can call Caritas to make your donation or to order the CDs in bulk by calling in the U.S. 205-672-2000. Ask for CD2416MJ. Thank you. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje concluding today's broadcast. In conclusion, some of the priests I've been speaking to, and one particular is so strong about this, that he can't do anything. If he steps out of line in any way, he's 
a goner. And he said, we have to have the lay people coming out and standing up and start voicing these things for us to be able to say what we could say in the pulpit and defend us. And I've seen it personally. I was in Cleveland, Ohio, spoke to a church, and the priest was on fire. And then after my talk, Mass came, and he said and repeated some of the things I said, and some women walked out, went to the bishop, and told me he could never mention from the puppet again, or he'll be removed from this parish. It was about something about Obama and what he was doing as president, and we had the right to speak out, even a church or a nonprofit, and we can't be stopped. And he called it from his bishop. So you got to be ready to march on the bishop's office if you have to. If there's any repercussions for a priest standing up, you got to let them know you will support them. Remember this, around 2009, Ivanka, one of the six visionaries in Medjugorje, said this, I know the future of the world and of the church. This may all be surprising you, but it doesn't, Ivanka. And it doesn't me, actually, because it's in the message. A great struggle is going to unfold. August 2nd, 81. And human souls are at stake. And yet I've told you in this broadcast that I'm shocked. Why? Because of the rapidity and how fast this has come upon us. And that's why our lady just told you, you be courageous. Do not grow weary. You are released. Pray and act. Get active. Join with those people like you. Join with like-minded Christians and Catholics and confront. The battle has started. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.